1: And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
2: Just been thinking how fabulous it was to see my Auntie Elsie over the weekend, Eva. It was just seeing it after such a long time. And now we will not leave it as long as we did.
3: Yeah. And, you know, she was born in the early 1920s. We're now in the 2020s and her sort of keys to having a long life and a long and happy life. And her
2: favourite thing is having a Chinese watching a horror film.
3: (laughs) the Speakmans, married couple, life change therapists, authors and TV therapists. We both also love our rock music.
2: Absolutely love rock music. Having
3: said that, don't mind a bit of Frank Sinatra as well.
2: Of course. Diverse. Of course, he was the best. (laughs) We help people conquer all sorts of anxiety disorders. So that's things like phobias, OCD, PTSD, and eating disorders Yep,
3: and in hearing what others have overcome our approach and a bit of clever theory too we're sure that you'll be able to make a change in your life
2: so go grab your chair take a seat this is making the change oh
3: that's just so good to be there you know just You're here now in the 2020s and she's still going strong. And I love the fact that she was wearing her pearls and looked so great. I don't think
2: I've ever seen it in the whole of my life without her pearls. Really? Yeah. But what's interesting about horror films, because you don't like horror films. No. And I've loved horror films from being such a little kid because, you know, to the point, I think, you I would, you know, the horror films back in the day for me were Hammer horror films, and they used to they used to have the films on a Monday night at 10.30. And what I used to do, I had a deal with my dad, that I would do my homework and then I would go to bed at 7.30 and then he'd wake me up in time to watch the film. Then I could go back to bed so I didn't lose out, I'm asleep. And, <laughs> um, you know, and I love horror films. But what I like about horror films, and the reason why I'm talking about horror films is not just because of Auntie elsie is the fact that it's a way... I suppose of explaining anxiety because you watch the film, knowing full well you're going to be terrified. Yeah. Right. And, and and the more terrifying it is, the better. Yeah. However, equally, you know you're going to be terrified, but you know you're safe at the same time.
3: Yeah, that is true, but it still gets the adrenaline pumping, doesn't
2: it? Yeah. Whereas a lot of people don't understand with anxiety. It's a protection mechanism. And and again, anxiety comes and goes in the same way. Anxiety doesn't last forever.
3: No, and it is our protection response. And I've got to be honest, that's probably one of the reasons why I don't like watching horror films, because I don't like that sensation. And I get very involved and really engrossed into the film. So, you know, as you've got that kind of that music playing and you've got that suspense and you know that or you're expecting something to happen, I don't like that feeling that it gives me of. of Sort of that anxiety and, and expectation, but we can dip in and out of that by choice, watching a, a scary film. But for people that struggle with anxiety, that's kind of what they go through all the time. It's like you sat there anticipating that scary moment, but you're actually safe.
2: That's the thing, and and uh, I'll give you another an- analogy. It's a bit like when and you've done this many times when you've had the. You, know, you put some bread in the toaster, and you've had the, the dial up too far, so the toast catches fire or or burns, uh, and you've got smoke in the kitchen. The smoke alarm goes off, but we know there's no fire. We know it's okay, but the alarm doesn't, and it's a bit like That's what our protection is like. You know, it's going off, and we're not in danger. Yeah, it's because of something in the past.
3: So it's a false alarm. It's a false alarm, a basically. Alarm. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I guess I mean the body, the human body is just amazing, and the fact that we that we have this. Internal protection mechanism. And I know that a lot of people that we speak to, if not everybody, struggles on some level with some sort of anxiety or anxiety disorder. And that does encompass quite a broad range of issues. So it's not, you know, I know that a lot of people think of us and think of phobias, but. Actually, it's not just phobias, is it? It's it's having an obsessive-compulsive disorder where you feel you have to do something because if not, something bad might happen.
2: That's true. I've got to correct something, actually. I've just been thinking I've got to correct something. that I said about you burning things in the toaster. It's usually me, to so be if... <laughs> I'll put that on you, and it's usually me that burns stuff. So That, that,
3: that is true. Yeah.
2: Actually, all right, go on, carry on. My
3: cooking skills yeah, aren't right, that yeah. bad, really. No,
2: carry on, it's fine. Right, um, right.
3: But, yeah, so like anxiety disorders, there's a, a broad spectrum of things it's not just phobias it's it's things like obsessive compulsive disorder so you feel you have to do something because if you don't something might, bad might happen so it's kind of that what if scenario well if I don't do this what might happen and then you've got post-traumatic stress disorder which obviously creates anxiety as a consequence of a of a trauma or traumas you've had in your life then there's health anxiety which must you know it's so difficult to to live with in that you know any anything that ailment that you feel any new little spot any new little freckle somebody else is ill you suddenly wonder is that happening to me is it going to happen to me am I going to get that social anxiety panic attacks agoraphobia Um, and and I tell you what also is interesting That's classified often as a anxiety disorder that's selective mutism particularly in children but I suppose what people don't appreciate is all those things are actually symptoms and there is a cause that is creating that thought, that fear, that belief, that anxiety that lies behind it. And and the easy equation is find the cause, change your perception of it so that you sever the tie that you have between something and your fight or flight response, which creates that anxiety. And then the anxiety always away. the case
2: but a lot of people as you know say to us but i just don't know when it started i just don't well, know
3: actually it's funny you should say that let me just read this to you so this was a uh, somebody that messaged us and they put dinner Kneeva, i hear you always saying to get over your problem you have to know how it started the thing is i know how my anxieties and ptsd started but that hasn't fixed it what do I do next? Thanks, Rachel. Hashtag making the change. And, and I think that's quite important as well, because it's and because a lot I know a lot of people here are saying find the cause. And that's the first step. But that isn't the only step. Finding the cause is just where you start from. I suppose it's like you're driving your car and it feels a, a bit weird and you get out and you notice that there's a nail in your tyre. So you know what's causing it. You know that the cause of your car not feeling right and not running right is a nail in the tyre. But that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it go away. And it's the same with anxiety. Knowing the cause alone isn't going to make it better. You've got to fix it. You've got to fix it. You've got to take action to repair it or to change it altogether. So in answer to to Rachel, where she says, so what do I do next? Well, the next thing is...
2: She's got to look at, okay, when this started, what happened and what were you thinking and how did you perceive that situation at that time?
3: Exactly. Right. That's and the next step. Yeah,
2: because that's the thing, cause obviously she whereas that happened back then, however long ago it was, now she still feels in danger. Whereas the fact is she got over it, didn't she? Yeah. You know, I mean yeah, it might be whatever it way. was it might have been terrifying in that moment but now, as the life's moved on, she's no longer in danger. But a brain doesn't know that, so it's still protecting. her. It's like that, you know, smoke alarm going off for no reason.
3: But but then equally, there's things that happen in life, and it's not always personal either. So if it's you know if you have an accident, for example, it is just a one-off. It's like learning to walk. You know, you fall over many times, but it doesn't put you off walking. You 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 carry on. You learn to ride a bike. You will definitely when you're learning to ride a bike as a kid. You're definitely coming off that bike.
2: I did it a lot of times.
3: But you just get yeah. right back up there, so and that's because what you've done is you've accepted and perceived it for what it is. Being, I'm not yet a proficient bike rider, and therefore I haven't quite got my balance. And I suppose that's the same thing with any any negative events that we have in our life. We've got to we've got to try and see it as a third party and try and sort of see it in a in a more positive way to free ourselves. Because ultimately, what is anxiety? Well, anxiety is our internal protection response. It's there to protect us, and and it works. Amazingly well. If we're in a real danger and we need to be stronger or we need to run away, then it gives us certain hormones, cortisol and adrenaline, to make sure that we get lots of blood and oxygen to our extremities, to our arms and legs, so that we can run away faster or we can fight. And that's okay in a real situation. But if you've attached your fight or flight response to things that aren't a real danger, which again is what anxiety is. Well, that's the
2: trouble. In that initial situation, you probably needed your fight or flight response. Yeah. But what happens with our brains, as you know, is that because you needed it in that situation, your brain goes, okay, if I survive this, then I need protection from this in the future. Mm-hmm. So the first situation, there was potentially some danger, but all the situations after that, where your brain goes, this looks like that situation that I had, it will protect you from something that when there's no danger at all.
3: Well, I suppose, let's, let's look at a simple example of that. Yeah. You meet somebody who's got a spider phobia. That's like what we class as. There's two types of phobias, isn't there? There's a simple and complex. Yes. Simple being just kind of one thing, and complex meaning that it entails other things as well. So we've got a simple phobia, for example, a spider phobia, and you you learn that because maybe your brother chases you with a spider or you see your mum screaming at a spider and then you create this, okay, that must be a danger because of what happened. I feel I that feel like that's a threat.
2: I know you're using spiders, but can I just go on a different tilt here oh, and talk on. about snakes? Cause, and the reason why I'm saying that, and because you mentioned brothers, a phobia that we worked with was a lady who said she had a phobia of snakes and she didn't know when it started. And then it came out that it actually started because... In in our house the parents had a draft excluder at the, at the bottom of the door that looked like a snake and her brother used to chase her With the draft excluder. I remember. So, because she's frightened and her brain goes, what's causing this? She doesn't blame her brother because she loves him and she lives with him all the time. She blames the draft excluder, but she doesn't even blame that. She blamed, because it looks like a snake, she blames snakes.
3: And when we say blame, what we're actually saying there is that she attributed those bad feelings... To? To the snake. And that's what happens. People attribute those bad feelings to the car to the outside, to that enclosed space. And but they're... the
2: reason why I love that is because she was absolutely terrified of snakes. And I remember saying that she even... So when she went to bed at night, she checked under the bed, she went in a wardrobe, she checked in her shoes. Before she went to the toilet, she looked down the toilet. And all these, how it really inhibited her life because she was terrified of snakes, and a snake was never involved.
3: Exactly. But that's usually the way. That's often the way. But then you apply your fight-or-flight response to that thing but then it grows because every time that you might have a negative response so this is a phobia this is anxiety it, you know it doesn't matter if you if you feel anxious let's use the snake example so she sees something that looks snake like that creates anxiety but she yeah. happens to be in a supermarket then she could then again attribute those negative feelings to, to the, the supermarket. supermarket and this is why people that have anxieties their world feels like it's getting smaller because each time that attributing those feelings of anxiety to something new, and then people start actually fearing and gosh how many, so times many things. but then they start fearing the feeling of anxiety and fearing having a panic attack.
2: I actually remember this lady saying that because she would frightened the snakes, and then she read somewhere that someone went to the toilet there was a snake in the toilet, so now toilets were a problem. So if she wanted to go to the toilet in the middle of the night, she had to wake her husband up to check the toilet was clear of snakes before she would go.
3: But but this is amazing, and this is why so many people come to us and they're sort of saying but it just seems that it's all encompassing now it's getting so much bigger I don't even know where it now started and this is because every time they've had an anxious response every time they've had a panic attack they're now adding new environments new places new people again because it's like well I've had a panic attack in the supermarket in the car at the hairdressers well that means that I can't come back here because it might happen again whereas as we always say well look that's just a symptom you've got to go back and find That initial start point, but people fear anxiety. But what you've got to understand is that that is your life saving response. And instead of fearing it, what we should be doing is thanking it because okay, it might be attributed to the wrong thing right now, that doesn't mean it has to be forever. And it might be that we've had a few different negative events in our lives, so we might have a few different anxiety disorders, however. It doesn't have to be forever. But ultimately, if you do what you've always done, you're always going to get the same response. So instead of fearing it, instead of trying to run away from it, instead of hiding yourself away from the world, try a different response. And that being, first of all, starting point, thank you. So thank I, you to your body. I know you're trying to protect me, but I don't need protecting right now. It's a false I,
2: I love it when people are so shocked when they're suffering with anxiety. And we say, well, you know, you, your body's working like it's supposed to do. Yeah, You know, there's nothing physically wrong with you your body's reacting in the right way what's gone wrong is this misinterpretation and 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 being in that situation where you have an onset of anxiety and saying right okay thank you for protecting me in the moment Uh, and then just taking a look round and saying look I can look round I'm in no danger right now so you don't need to protect me I'm okay
3: yeah but I think that if we started with that and then I think understanding what adrenaline is and and cortisol that when we feel in danger so if we feel in danger whether it's just a perceived danger or a real danger what actually happens is we get a release of adrenaline and and cortisol that then makes certain things happen and those certain things are what we've now labelled as anxiety but what it actually is is because you've got to get your ha- your blood to your arms and legs, your heart has to start to beat faster. That blood needs to be oxygenated, so you start to take in more breaths, which people label as hyperventilating, but that's just part of the process. You start to get hot, because we need those blood vessels dilated to make them pump up a bit. So we start to feel all hot, and we start to feel sweaty. We might feel that the world looks bigger, but that's because our pupils dilate, because there's a, if we think believe that there's a danger, it's just to help us to have a bigger peripheral vision so that we can see a bigger distance what else we might need to go to the toilet like our dump mechanism might kick in to to sort of make us more efficient and proficient and don't forget the we've already spoken about I know in one of our other podcasts about the link between the brain and the gut you know that is why you know we then might need to go to the toilet as well so all these things that you're feeling all that has to happen for your protection response to protect you isn't being labelled as anxiety. And I think that in itself, you know, imagine instead of calling it a panic attack or instead of calling it anxiety.
2: What's it all about? Protection. Protection. So what should it be called?
3: Protection attack.
2: Of course it should.
3: Which it's I a pity think-
2: we didn't have the option of naming that before you okay. got named name Panic. Yeah. Because panic, if you think of someone panicking, you think of someone running around, yeah. don't you, with the, you know, not knowing what to do and being out of control. Whereas, actually, a panic attack is your body being in control trying to protect you. But it's funny, and, and I think a really great way of reducing that panic is to look round and to say, thanks, thanks for protecting me, but... There's no danger. In the same way, going back to the smoke alarm going off because of the toast, what you do... When the smoke alarm goes off, not, you don't suddenly... The but,
3: toast that you burnt, not me. Yeah,
2: the one that I... Yeah, yeah, that I, <laughs> that I burnt. But isn't, it's funny when people say, I'll have some toast. Have you put the toast in? But yeah. actually, put the bread in, don't you? Do you know what I mean? People,
3: That's true.
2: Don't people get confused? Yeah. Have you put the toast in? No, I actually put the bread yeah. in to toast it. But anyway, <laughs> that wasn't my point. Okay. my point. My point was that... When the smoke alarm goes off in the kitchen, Mm. you don't suddenly run out of the house, do you, and leave your house? No. You look round to see what the problem is.
3: Oh, I like that. Yeah, and you look
2: round and you see the toaster Yeah. and you see that actually that's the problem. And then you don't worry. Now, if you weren't making any toast and you weren't doing anything and the smoke alarm went off, then that might be a different story. But looking round and going, I'm in any danger, and no, I'm not.
3: That is so true. So what yeah. we're saying is really a panic attack is like...
2: Protection side sec- it is, yeah. And um, just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that, uh, you know, making me aware. I'm looking around and going, I'm not in any danger right now and I'm okay. And a lot of people, we talked about this at our workshops, and a lot of people have said to me, just by using that has really calmed me yeah, down.
3: protection instead of... Panic. Yeah. i i think that is absolutely vital and, and a really key component into helping people to feel better and then and then doing some big sighs because we know that sighing helps to calm us down it helps to release alpha waves in the brain which yeah. kind of have a similar effect to when you're doing things like yoga and mindfulness and it just so much quicker and some big sighs letting your shoulders drop down and you know, like really kind of immersing yourself into that side really helps as well. But um, I've got another, another question here that we've had sent through to Just us. Just before we go on oh, to that on. question,
2: you know, when I were talking last week about, or uh, was it even the week before, I don't even know, but our I were, I were tadpoles. Oh, yes. Our tadpoles are now, right, a lot of them are getting legs and they're turning uh, into frogs. So and it, which made me think of uh, do you know what type of shoes a frog would wear I do if know. it had the choice? I don't know. Open toed.
1: And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards.
0: Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
2: obviously yeah
3: trying to shoehorn jokes in there (laughs) aren't you
2: uh, anyway, go on, what was it the barrel, yeah. all
3: right, go um, on. So, yeah, we had another question come through, which I, I think was a, a really good question because it's something we get asked a lot. So, it's, hi, Nick and Eva. I have generalised anxiety disorder. So, how can I address this if it's general with no cause? Your help and guidance is appreciated, Tony. Hashtag making the change.
2: we we'll have just talked about that really, Well, not we? Well, yeah, yeah, there be, is always, yeah, yeah. There always, is always a,
3: cause. a cause, Tony. There is always, and the thing is, is that this is where it comes back to these triggers, that something could have happened way back, and because you've added more triggers, where you, wherever you felt anxious, now that has become suddenly a warning to you that, oh, I, forgot, I can't go there because I'm going to feel anxious again. So the best thing to do, though, is to write a timeline of your life. And why do we feel that that's so important? It, and that is because it gives you a really structured way to look for potential possibilities of what might be causing anxiety to you. And what we've got to remember is that we live in a modern world now where we've got this amazing fight or flight response but in this modern world we don't actually really need it so to some degree There's no it's, real danger um, instead of giving into redundancy because obviously we do need it for those real dangers what it's actually doing it does seem to have been kind of more hypersensitive and it's reacting to instead of just dangers it's reacting to when we feel bad now when we feel bad and we don't want to feel that feeling again so it's trying to protect us from a time when we felt bad that can be anything that can be if you know you you get really embarrassed about something and because that feels bad, your protection response says, okay, that feels bad. You don't want to do that again. I'll protect you from that. Now that can be a real problem if it's something like speaking out in class when you're at school, because if you're in class and you're speaking out in class and you say mispronounce something and everybody laughs at you, potentially that there could lead to Tony having anxiety any time he tries to speak out.
2: And, and that could then, easily become generalised anxiety disorder because you can't do anything without thing. speaking, can you? Absolutely Alice, not. Yeah.
3: Or oh, then if you have had your heart broken, then that could then make you believe that falling in love is painful. Or if someone's ever cheated on you, whether that be a partner or even a friend that could go one of two ways. That could make you kind of become introverted because being with people, it could equal some sort of emotional pain. Or what that could actually do is make you believe, well, it must've been my fault. Why well, I would never do that to somebody. So if they've done that to me, that must mean that I deserve that and I must be a really bad person. And then that will then have an effect on our self-esteem. So I think the thing to do is to write a timeline and to consider all those times that you've had unpleasant feelings that you would never like to revisit because it's not always something that's really really scary so writing a timeline is the first point because that gives you a lovely list of everything that's happened in your life that could have potentially led to you now becoming anxious with different stimulus and different triggers in in the environment and then systematically tackling each one so as we said earlier you know understand how did you perceive it then and if that were to happen to somebody else or if that happened to you as an adult, how, how might you have seen that differently?
2: There's a step before that. Oh, is there a is, yeah. Look, once you've got your timeline, looking at those things on the timeline and saying, Okay, if I think about that now, on an anxiety or disturbance scale, out of ten, how does that make me feel?
1: Yes. Is it a six That's out important. of ten? Is
2: it seven out of ten? Because anything six or lower you can just ignore. It's not a problem. But if you think about something that happened to you maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago and it still makes you feel anxious now more than 7 out of 10, that's still affecting you today.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And I know a lot of people also say to us, I think people think that we're kind of superhuman in that we've never had any issues ourselves or anxieties ourselves, but we're just like anybody else, aren't we? And we Yeah, the we, thing
2: is we fix them though. That's the thing. Well, that's the thing but is- but yeah, everyone look, the human brain is the same, it doesn't matter who you are, it functions in the same way. So if anyone I, can, I would say if anyone can learn to drive, anyone can get a phobia, anyone can have OCD, anyone can have PTSD.
3: I actually, I don't think I had PTSD from it, but I did have a trauma when I was a kid. We, I was on holiday in the south of France, and me and my friend decided to go out in a little dinghy, and we kind of got swept away and went too far.
2: I don't know the story.
3: And then we decided, because we could see ourselves going further and further away from the shore, so instead of staying in there, which is what we should have done, we actually got out and decided to push the dinghy, using it kind of like a raft, and kicking our legs but that didn't really work either anyway eventually we got rescued by uh, you know the, the lifeguard found us and, and obviously because they must have Where raised the alarm you? in south france in well, the sea yeah 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 yeah. but i've got to tell you that the biggest trauma of that wasn't the fact that i might have died and gone you're gonna tell to me say, embarrassment aren't you bloody hell yeah I remember, because by this point, the whole... Big was,
2: about bloody hell. Big not? yeah, yeah. It was
3: next level. Well, right. it, was, it was a bloody You've hell never
2: one. told me that. How do you feel about that?
3: Well, do you know what? I'm not bothered, me now. really. But I do know that what actually happened was as the lifeboat comes into shore, and literally everybody's like cheering and stood up there, and I just felt like a complete and utter fool. And I was just so embarrassed. How old were you? Twelve.
2: I mean, how, how can you... Feel foolish at the age of 12. Because, you know, because... I, well, I, know, I know we yeah, do. Um, I know we do, but we shouldn't, should but
3: we? But therein lies the reason why I had an issue with large groups of people. So when we first started doing workshops and I was stood there sort of looking out at people, it would take me back to, oh, my God, everybody's going to laugh at me. So that was what created it. Now, what's happened with me... And especially
2: when I said something great and people stood up and started clapping... That would make it worse. <laughs> I would have,
3: That's I, it. Yeah, I think that you probably yeah. find it was me that, that actually well, had those moments of greatness. I never realised um, that you know. But yes, yeah, so, but isn't it interesting that life-threatening situation there? What's the worst part to me? You know, per- talking about you know perception the embarrassment of it. And, you know, it took me a long time to get over that because I didn't actually address the cause. And that's the difference, isn't it? If you know the cause, because a lot of people go, oh, but you know, if I don't know the cause, can it still be fixed? Absolutely, yes, it can. It just takes a little bit more effort. And then I think because, because sometimes people get really confused because they don't realize it can be quite something, one thing that then grows and grows and grows. They then think that it's something really bad and that they can never get over it. And that's really sad because, you know, people can have complex issues because people can have very complex lives. You know, we can have challenging lives. I mean, if I just look at myself, you know, just off the top of my head, I know that I, I haven't
2: got it. time. <laughs> have we got time for your complexities
3: yeah. <laughs> yes, i'm a project um but you know i, I had a phobia of spiders i had a, a phobia of heights i had a bit of claustrophobia self-esteem issues public speaking obviously there's there's been sort of Things that have gone on through you know even eating disorder, should we throw disorder, that in there? yeah yeah, and then i had a uh, I had a, a fear of people sort of touching my head or banging my head, being home alone, but every one of these things that I felt, I can literally now and and we're still finding things aren't we you know, yeah, that I can go back and I can say, okay, this is where it is, but it's because I'm tackling one thing at a time, and potentially had I not done a timeline way back when, when we first sort of got together, then maybe that wouldn't have happened and maybe I'd still be a complexity instead of this...
2: Perfect human being.
3: That stands before you, <laughs> Mr. Speakman. <laughs> <laughs> well, How the perfect,
2: Yeah, but it's a sim- You know
3: what? Sorry, I'm going to say something here because yeah. some, there is no such thing as perfect. And I tell you what, a lot of people are normal and a lot of people
2: say, Oh, that's... Yeah. Say, I just want to be normal. I just
3: want to be normal. And, and I've got to say that I... My response is always the same. If you were normal... You would be the most abnormal person that I have ever met.
2: And the reason being because every single person on the planet is completely and utterly unique.
3: Absolutely and un- unique, totally. I always like that, my bucket analogy. And this is a good one for your panic attack scenario, by the way. I guess that I'm a good example of the bucket. And I, and I think we all have this met- sort of like a metaphorical bucket that we carry around with us. And, and it catches all the negatives and negative emotions and upset and stresses in it. So, you know, you go through life and then slowly, slowly your bucket starts to fill. And then sometimes it can feel just like the smallest thing might give you a panic attack. But what you don't realise is that what it actually is is that that small little thing, that little dr- last little drop that went into your bucket, it just overfilled your bucket and then it overflowed. And that overflow is that massive feeling of huge anxiety. Or but you're focusing the panic on the attack. last
2: thing as opposed to everything that came before. Exactly.
3: It. and And obviously, there are certain things that you can do to pop little holes in your bucket. So puncture little holes in and that, you know, to relieve some of, of the content of that bucket. So that might be sort of things like mindfulness and breathing, our amazing sighing technique. What else? Listening to music, talking to a friend, having a cuddle or a hug or a kiss, telling somebody that you love them. Those are like putting little puncture holes in the bucket to allow a little bit of that pressure in that bucket or the content of it to dribble away. But then we add more things to it. So the best thing to do is to have a good old rummage in your bucket, find the crap that's in there, get hold of it, sort it out and throw and it out. deal with it. And, and
2: as we usually find that most of those issues are between the ages of 5 and 13. And I think that, and I've never said this to you before, and I've just been thinking about it while I've been talking, it's a bit like that 5 to 13-year-old, it's a child... Living in an adult world, trying to do an adult's job and another ad- run an adult's life, and just feeling so out of depth. When... when you
3: say that, do you mean the child that created the negative?
2: Yeah, and that's why that's why there's an internal conflict because ultimately, as adults, we know we shouldn't be having that behaviour. We shouldn't be doing that anymore. We shouldn't be frightened of that. We should, you know, all these. We know what the problems are, but the fix is. Changing the child's perspective that set it up in the first place, and that's the internal conflict, you know. And, and everyone on the planet has got some internal battle between something they set up as a child and something that now prevents them being the adult that they want to be.
3: I, I'm still traumatized by your perm <laughs> when I think back.
2: Well, that's a Eva, that is a complete lot of rubbish because I had a perm. When, when, no, when you met me, the it thing, was. but the thing is, it it was trendy At back the then. Yeah, but you weren't that traumatised because you've been living with me. I tell you what, you, you pestered me until I would go out with you. <laughs> you <laughs> won't leave me alone. That so is, the perm worked. That is so it was not like true. a trap.
3: That is so <laughs> not true. <laughs> yeah, no, I just remember that first time I I'm met up. you, and you were there sat behind your desk with your perm. And well, it was a back perm, wasn't it? And I've got—I'll give you that. Footballers used to. You sound like the time.
2: I was sat behind my desk <laughs> with my perm. It's not like the perm was <laughs> sat at the side of me, <laughs> like like a little creature. <laughs> yeah, me, meet me and meet my perm. So yeah, yeah. I yeah.
3: remember, I remember coming because obviously I went, went to see you at your office back then. Yeah. And you were there at your desk, and I thought, oh gosh very grown up. The
2: trendiest footballers at the time had a perm like mine. Kevin Keegan.
3: There you go. I yes. Mean, I mean this is like this is like prehistoric years ago, isn't it really? Anyway,
2: um, on that point we'll yeah. leave it there. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we'll be back here, same time, same place next week. But in the meantime, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this right now. And we would be incredibly grateful if you could leave us a rating and a review.
2: Obviously, only if it's a five star one. <laughs> Come on. Uh, or you can get in touch with those on Facebook, the Speakmans Official, Instagram, at the Speakmans, or Twitter, the underscore Speakmans. What would you like to understand more about? What big change are you hoping you can make in your life? Is there anything you'd like our help with? If so, use the hashtag makingthechange and we look forward to hearing from you.
3: Thank you to our producer Anushka Tate for Orion Publishing Limited and to you for listening. So until next time, keep making that change.
2: Bye. Bye.
3: This podcast is not a substitute for medical or psychological intervention nor is the content intended to replace therapy or medical help or advice.
2: We would therefore always strongly encourage you to speak with your doctor or a health professional about how you are feeling and also to inquire about counselling or therapy.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.